Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the podcast that talks the SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer. Lots to talk about in the program today. Dalton, how are you, man? I'm all right. I'm uh, I'm still recovering. I had a, uh, you know, I was in Baton Rouge for what two and a half days, I guess, and it felt like two weeks. I don't know. It was just it was a long weekend over there. Um, and drove back uh, Sunday night, and I wrote, a, I did a little bit of work yesterday, and still trying to, uh, I don't know. I, my sleep schedule's a little messed up. I had got, I had got it good, and then all of a sudden, uh, having some trouble waking up and falling asleep now. So I'm, I got to get back to normal. Well, baseball can do that to you, man. When you wake up on Monday and, and realize you worked a full day the day before, and and then if you add the drive time into it, that's uh, that's different. Also, that changes things. But uh, it can uh, it can throw you off a little bit. A three game a three game weekend can do that. Hey, folks! Before we get uh, too deep in the program, I want to thank our partners with the Oxford Park Commission. They're looking for lifeguards right now for the city pool. OPC is. Uh, the season starts Memorial Day weekend and runs through Labor Day. Candidates must be at least 16 and have a current lifeguard certification. You can contact Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler if you have questions at uh, jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. If you don't have questions, you can go straight to oxfordms.net and uh, apply online there. So lots of good things going on with OPC. Check out their website at OxfordParkCommission.com. They really do a good job of uh, servicing the Lafayette, Oxford, and university communities. Uh, Dalton, let's talk baseball a little bit, man. Uh, both uh, State and Ole Miss, uh, really solid uh, series wins to, to begin SEC play. Um I've covered Ole Miss a long time, Dalton, and, and sometimes the, the years just kind of stack on top of one another and, and, and you, you kind of kind of forget how long ago things were. Uh, but I looked up during that Auburn series and, and uh, realized that Ole Miss has swept Auburn, not every year, not four straight years, but they have swept Auburn four straight years, four straight Oxford visits four straight Oxford visits for Auburn, four straight trips to Swayze Field for Auburn. Uh, Ole Miss has swept that series, 12 straight games. Auburn has won a couple of series uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, at Auburn. But uh, that's you got to go back to 2012 before Auburn has won a game uh, in Oxford. They won the series that year. Uh, but they've been swept uh, every time since, including this weekend. It wasn't, uh, I didn't think, a great Auburn team. I know they had an RPI of like 113 going in and they were 11 and five. They had a couple of decent wins. They'd lost a series to Boston College. They had a, a non SEC win on a neutral site uh, against Texas A&M. So they'd already actually played uh, an SEC team. Uh, wasn't real impressed with their pitching. I thought they really competed in their advance with two strikes. And I thought Ole Miss did a, a good job pitching against a team that uh, was hitting 322, but uh, I thought Auburn's pitching was suspect. But I guess the thing that really stood out about uh, that series, though, was 10,000 people in the stands. I mean, it looked like the pandemic never happened. You know, that was a Saturday game. They had 9,500, announced 9,500 
on Friday and almost 9,000 on Saturday. So we're not back to normal. Now, I know the virus is still around, but, uh, man, you start seeing uh, 10,000 in the stands at baseball games, and, and it, and it kind of feels like that, you know, feels like normal. Yeah, and I bet that was a little weird for uh, for the Auburn baseball team for sure, because I think Alabama still has a lot of their restrictions up. Um, they don't, they're they're not. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, because I believe when Tate Reeves kind of opened everything up here, uh, Alabama did not. Um, and so imagine them going to a away trip against one of the top five teams in the nation with ten thousand fans in the stadium was probably a probably a little rough for them. But um, uh, but yeah, you know, once you start seeing all this and you start seeing these packed stadiums, even whenever I when I covered it this weekend at Mississippi State at LSU. You know, there was about four forty five hundred to five thousand in each game, um, and it, it was even closer to normal. Um, it didn't get quite as loud as sure I'm sure Swayze did because State was uh was winning for most of those games, so uh, the the stadium wasn't quite as rocking as it normally would over there. But um, yeah, once you start seeing more fans getting closer and closer, there's not as many people wearing masks, and, and it just kind of seems like it's getting back to a sense of normalcy around here. And uh, you know, you always like to see that as long as everyone stays safe. Yeah. I think when we see the uh, these places announced around 5,000, I think that's probably the the 50% attendance crowd. I mean, I know the restrictions are different uh, in each state, but uh, I saw that that uh, Arkansas announced for each of its three home games against Alabama, Arkansas announced 5,735. Well, you know that place, that, that uh, bomb stadium just kind of fills up when the Hogs play, especially when they're good, and they were ranked number one at the time, um, five, seven, three, five, that kind of sounds like a 50% number. Uh, when you talk about four or 5,000 there at, uh, at LSU, again, that sounds like a 50% number for an outside venue. Um, and the restrictions, you know, they're still in place, and they're different from state to state. You know, uh, Mississippi, for better or worse, got a lot of national attention when we lifted those restrictions, when the when the mask uh, executive orders went away, uh, someone uh, up in government called us Neanderthals, you know, so uh, said they don't need that Neanderthal. Right. So, uh, but, but anyway, um, I did notice that Florida playing at home against Texas A&M uh, in their new ballpark announced uh, 1,773, 1,973, and then 2,078. So, I think Florida is a state where they don't have restrictions, but some of these schools and some of these places have, uh, have put their own restrictions in place. And I, I noticed on Florida's website, um, as they were writing about their new ballpark, a brand new park uh, this season there in Gainesville, uh, they indicated they were going to allow in like 1700, you know, so they're imposing uh, their own restrictions there. Um, uh, uh, at Florida. So anyway, it's just, uh, it, it is kind of interesting. And it seems like uh, Tate Reeves' order uh, is a few weeks ago now. And it's been good to see that our numbers to this point haven't really spiked. Uh, we haven't seen a spike in the numbers. Um, but again, that's not, there are restrictions in place in other states and it's going to take, uh, still taking some time uh, to get people back in the stands at games, but uh, man, it was uh, it was rocking, yeah. rocking at Swayze Field, and and you know a lot of people what they're asking people to do is wear masks when they're out and about, when they're moving, when they're in the concourse, when they're walking around the stadium, 
uh, and then they're that they allow people. They're not saying please take off your mask, but they're you know say look when you when you get seated uh, you can take off your mask. That's kind of the policy in the stadium right now. That's kind of what we're seeing uh, in the press box uh, once people are, are seated uh, and still spaced out in the press box, and that's yeah. a that, that's a good thing. I'll tell you, Dalton, during the during the pandemic, I felt like one of the safest places I could be was an SEC press box with all the protocols in place no and kidding. everything you had to do to get there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, uh, LSU was luckily, luckily enough, we did end up having room in the press box, but they had mentioned to us that they only had room for two or three writers in there. And so they were going to put uh, me and uh, Steve Robertson and Ben Portnoy, who are the three beat writers that went, um, they were going to put us outside in the concourse. Um, but then Friday night was pretty chilly night. The wind was blowing pretty hard and they said they, they made room for us up there. But when we got in there, um, we were all pretty spaced out. You know, we weren't probably, we probably weren't six feet exactly, but you know, there was, you got to think maybe, maybe 14, 15 people in the LSU press box. And it was just like, when they told us they didn't have room for us, you know, trying to think like, you know, y'all have plenty of room in here. I don't know what they were talking about at first. Um, yeah, that but yeah, no, those press boxes box. are still spaced yeah. out. Yeah. It's pretty spacious. Yeah. And so yeah, we sat there and, um, you know, me and me and Steve sat up on the second row. Ben sat on the first row, and there was, you know, there's plenty of room up there. There's, there's probably 16 people in there every, every day. Um, but yeah, you know, LSU was at 50. percent So they went um, Friday night. They had 5,013. Saturday they had 5,030. And then Sunday, of course, uh, they were, they had already lost a series. The few people dropped. It was 4,600. Um, I don't. I don't know. If, I don't think Duty Noble is going to be uh, ten thousand this weekend, I, unless I've unless I've missed something where they opened it up fully. I think this the university is still kind of uh, waiting and doing it in increments. Um, I think they had. I think State had four thousand at a weekend game, um, but I haven't seen near ten thousand. It hasn't even passed over five thousand. So that maybe they do open it up this weekend, but I don't think I've seen anything. And I guess they could still announce it, but. Uh, if, it, if it's 10,000 this weekend, I'd be surprised. Well, now, Ole Miss never announced, okay, we're going to allow uh, 50,000, we're going to allow 50% now, and we're going to allow 75%. They never, they never attached a number like that in an announcement. Right. But, uh, they, it was more about ticket sales. Okay, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, fulfill all of the ticket orders that we received. If you were – if you uh, – tried to get season tickets at the beginning and couldn't. Uh, now we're going to fill those orders. Okay, well, I'm sure that was you know, that was going to be a lot of people right there. And, uh, and, and then they talked about uh, uh, moving it along slowly and, and uh, then offering uh, single-game single ticket sales and, and things like that. You never heard them talk about a, a percentage, uh, but you did. They were clear uh, in their – uh, intent to move toward full capacity, and uh, they're pretty much uh, pretty much there. Uh, you can see uh, smoke from grills in the outfield, and and uh, it's it was it, it looked like uh, the weekend that uh, so many people uh, know about Swayze Field. I don't think it'll be full capacity this weekend here. Still, I have a couple of buddies that are coming up on Saturday. We're gonna have a crawfish boil, and um, they try to get tickets to the game. Because, you know, it's number two versus number three. And so they're excited to uh, try to get one. And I think the 
the single game tickets, I think for the Arkansas game this weekend, we're, you know, pushing $300 for one ticket. So uh, I don't think it's going to be full capacity Yeah. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that, that's a lot, even for two and three. Uh, what did you see from state on the field? Uh, state had a pretty good weekend. You know, I, I saw a lot of fans were upset that they lost the Sunday game. I don't really understand why you're not going to win 30 games in SEC play. There's no reason to even think that you will. Um, you go on the road and beat Baton Rouge. Um, you go on and beat a ranked LSU team in Baton Rouge a series. That's a good, that's a good weekend series to win right there, especially to start the season off. But, um, you know, states, the, the one and two pitchers, like everyone expected, uh, Christian McLeod and Will Bedner were through great. You know, they were fantastic. Um, behind them, Brandon Smith, Landon Sims, Preston Johnson pitched pretty well. You know, Friday and Saturday, they allowed one run and combined between the two games, kind of shut down those LSU bats, looked really good. Um, Sunday is still a, a question mark. Uh, they started Eric Sarantola. He, uh, he, he struggled. He walked two guys in the first inning. They both scored. He comes out in the second inning and hits the first batter he sees. He get he gets pulled instantly. Um, and so then a, a relief pitcher comes in, Chase Patrick. He gets him out of the inning. And then Jackson Fristo, who everyone was saying that they would like to start or who was who has started every Sunday game up to this point, comes in. He pitches four innings, allows one run. Uh, Lamonis said, uh, I think yesterday that the Sunday starter is TBA at this point, but, uh, you'd have to think at the way they've been performing, it's going to be, uh, Jackson Fristo, but, um, you know, he's, he's a true freshman. He's not used to the innings. He's already thrown more innings this season than I think he did his entire senior season of baseball, um, in high school. So the arm's going to get a war out a little bit. You're going to see some freshman things out of that, that arm, um, and you got to get Sarantola some pitches, some innings still, because you know that's a guy that you're gonna that the state's gonna need um, in the in the postseason run if they have one. You're gonna need as many arms as you can. But uh, he struggled a lot. State still wins two out of three. The offense wasn't great. Um, didn't get a lot of big hits. The, uh, Braylon Skinner hit a big home run his first of his career on Friday night to give them a good lead. Um, and then. Really, Saturday and a couple times Sunday, they just did a good job of manufacturing runs, you know, get a single here, walk walk to first, steal base, you know, bunt them over. No big hits, but did a good job of manufacturing runs and um, won two out of three. I think that's the big thing on the road at the open SEC play. i tell you what, uh, just watching this Ole Miss team right now, uh, Dalton, it's been kind of hard to wrap my mind around them as the number four team. I just feel like uh, – feel like really they're just they're good in a lot of areas they're good but just not consistent enough as I think uh, the number four ranked team uh, should be but man they can be really good for stretches and they did a better job of uh, stretching the lead of of, uh, of building on the lead on Sunday after they had the beginning now they had a couple of couple of nice innings uh, early and got off to a fast start Saturday when they won 6-5. to five. Uh, They were up 6-0 after the third, but then it just stopped. I mean, Auburn's bullpen came in and, and really uh, turned things around. And, and I looked at that game and I'm thinking, man, this, you know, these recent uh, Ole Miss teams that have been really good, 18, 19, and, and 20, when they got cut short last year, I mean, those teams would have won this Saturday game like 12-7. to seven. Uh, instead, it was six to five, and there was right. drama at the end, and there just really, really didn't need to be drama uh, at the end. 
uh, but Auburn chipped away. Uh, uh, again, the, the bullpen, which sometimes has been really good, uh, gave up some solo home runs, didn't give up big innings, but uh, kind of allowed uh, Auburn to chip away. Austin Miller left some, uh, some pitches uh, over the plate with that uh, big breaking ball. Uh, but uh, it looked really good for uh, seven innings uh, on Sunday. It just wanted, and then it was one of those strange finishes. You know, when you're up 14 to nothing and, and focus changes and intensity changes and even how the game is managed by the coaches changes. You know, those guys had, had clocked out. You know, they started sending in that, those back-of-the-bullpen guys that they just wanted to get some innings and wanted to get them some game action. Well, it turned out that those guys really couldn't get anybody out. You know, for a uh, for Ole Miss, that was Luke mm-hmm. Baker and and uh, and and Logan Forsyth, and uh, and they just they just uh, or gosh, Logan Savelle, excuse me, I mixed up a couple of guys there. Uh, they just struggled, struggled to get outs, and all of a sudden, Auburn puts up a nine spot, nine runs in the eighth, and uh, you know it's fourteen to nine. They're still batting. I'm thinking, man, it's, it's time to stop making jokes about this game. You know, it's about to get real. Right. If they score one more run, then they get to where they could tie it with one swing. Uh, but uh, Ole mm. Miss got out of the inning and, and then put up five of their own. So it's 14 to nothing. And then over the last inning and a half, okay, because Ole Miss didn't bat in the bottom of the ninth, in the last inning and a half, there were 16 runs combined. You know, so uh, it's one of those. Yeah, that sounds uh, like a hectic game. I yeah. Well, one of those. That's I was taking some Jake Thompson during it. Yeah, and I was texting Jake Thompson in the middle of it, and he was, you know, telling me, oh, this game's 14 nothing," And then all of a sudden he was like, this game's getting crazy. I look at the score, and it was like 19-11 to 11 or something in the top of the ninth inning. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but that, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good series win or a good sweep for Ole Miss, you know. Ole Miss, um, you know, down Doug Nikhazy right now. Um, and I do still think that Ole Miss probably has the toughest SEC schedule in the um, – in the entire conference. And so, you, you know, you mentioned earlier that Auburn wasn't, wasn't all, wasn't great um, that you, that you didn't think they were great, but um, those are series at home that you're going to have to sweep if you want a chance to win the SEC this year, because once you start playing the Vandys and the Mississippi States and the Arkansas and the Florida's like Ole Miss is going to here soon. Um, you're not likely going to sweep any of those series. You know, those are series that are going to be decided by, you know, one or two runs on a Saturday game that depends on who wins the series. Um, And so getting a sweep at home over an Auburn team like that is a really, really good feat for them early in the season, especially with kind of the struggles they had gone through, you know, losing to La Tech in that that last uh, Sunday game. Um, So I think that was a really good series win for Ole Miss, especially the sweep, because you there's going to be a few games if you want to if you want to win an SEC championship you're going to have to sweep a few of them. Uh, absolutely, there are some some teams on the schedule where you have to make up ground, and this is one of those. And Auburn definitely good enough that they can pick you off. I mean, if they come in and win the series, mm-hmm. that's an upset. But uh, certainly, they're good enough to take a game, and that almost happened uh, Friday night, uh, one to nothing. But just an outstanding uh, performance by Gunnar Hoagland uh, for Ole Miss, eight innings, a career long, and I uh, got his. You know, a power pitcher, got his strikeouts, but was able to stay in the game even when his uh, pitch count was rising. Just a great uh, performance by Gunnar Hoagland. So, uh, anyway, let's talk uh, Sweet 16 a little bit. Uh, Dalton NCAA tournament, we hit on this last week. Uh, we thought Florida and Tennessee might be uh, early exits for the SEC, and, and they certainly 
Uh, Tennessee certainly lived up to those expectations, uh, losing to Oregon State uh, in the first round. That, that was a 12 beating a five uh, by 14 points. So they say that happens every year. And so Tennessee, then, yeah, Tennessee went down. And uh, Florida, Florida. Uh, and then Florida goes down to Roberts. Yeah, in, in the second round. They go down to Roberts. And, and they didn't look that great against Virginia Tech in the first round, I didn't think. I mean, Colin Castleton had a nice right. game, had three block shots, had a big one late, uh, some good defense late. Trey Mann, you know, hit some big shots, really didn't shoot enough. Uh, but uh, anyway, the SECs went down to Alabama and Arkansas. So out, out of the 17. Yep, uh, LSU lost to Michigan yesterday. So uh, yeah. who was the other team that was in there? It was – there were six. Missouri lost to Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and so Alabama and Arkansas, I think Alabama's got a pretty not easy path, but an easier path because there was a whole lot of upsets in their uh, side of the bracket. Well, um, they were they were then, clicking last night, man. 96 points, you know, knocking in those threes, uh, you know, almost 100 points in the second round NCAA game. You don't see that a whole lot. But uh, Alabama, pretty consistent most of the year. You know, they had a couple of hiccups, but uh, we talked uh, last week about they didn't have to win that SEC tournament. Uh, they, they were going to be a high seed. They are probably going to be a two seed anyway, uh, but they did. And they were very focused and, and played well uh, throughout the games in Nashville and, and have gotten off to a fast start here uh, in the uh, uh, NCAA tournament. It will be interesting to see uh, – what comes from uh, that UCLA game with them uh, in the Sweet 16? UCLA just an 11 right. seed. You know, they played uh, – you know, they were in one of those first four games. So, you know, they've been uh, going at it a while. They're and, playing really well right now. Yeah. So, uh, interesting. Uh, they're, they're playing really well. Yeah. You know, I don't watch uh, a lot of basketball that I'm not covering. Uh, I know Andy Kennedy used to tell us all the time, Dalton, that he was just a basketball junkie. And even when he was away from Ole Miss, you know, he was going to go home and, and turn on some basketball and he was going to watch basketball. And, and, and he really, you know, because of that, had a good grasp on other teams around the country. Um, Kermit Davis, not the same way. He, he said, you know, he'll turn it off. You know, he'll, uh, he'll do something else. But uh, I say that because you get to the NCAA tournament and, and now, well, it's all here in front of you and you're a little more interested in these tournament games. So I'm starting to see some teams kind of for the first time, you know, that Gonzaga team, they're pretty good. You know, I watched, uh, I watched some of their team. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they're really athletic. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, they're really good. And uh, that was one, of the, one of the things I mentioned to somebody I was talking to the other day was, you know, all these upsets that are going crazy and the March Madness is at its full peak right now is a I think could just be setting up a an undefeated season for Gonzaga um but uh there's there's gonna be a lot of games and they're they're really playing well they're really looking good and it, it just seems like you know as you look down the bracket and all of a sudden there's still some 12 seeds and still some eight seeds yeah. and still some uh 15 seeds down the bracket this week 16 it's like you know that, that path looks like it's maybe getting a little easier and easier um especially when Illinois is already knocked out and uh you know, they're, they're playing Creighton to get to the Elite Eight, uh, Gonzaga is, and then, you know, who knows? They could they could possibly still cap this whole thing off of the undefeated season. So if, you, if you're if you Abilene Christian uh, and you're a 14 seed and you upset Texas in the NCAA tournament, how, how big is that for you, man? You, you think you're going to like uh, 
you know, talk about that for a while when you get back to Abilene. Uh, probably a lot of people in Abilene not happy with you, for one. I'm sure there are some, uh, uh, some horns right. fans there in Abilene, but uh, that was uh, an interesting storyline. You get those matchups, and that's kind of, you know, part of the charm uh, of the tournament when you see uh, some, some games like that, teams like that. Um, anyway, uh, stayed still alive. Yeah, I watched the NIT. Yes, they are. They were going to play Richmond on Thursday. They play Richmond on Thursday um, in the quarterfinals. And I haven't looked up much on Richmond yet because I just – yesterday when I got back from a Baton Rouge, I focused on uh, a few things. I was trying to catch up on the spring football media sessions we had uh, this past weekend that I missed while I was at games and stuff. Um, so, they'll, they'll play Richmond. Um, State played pretty well against uh, St. Louis. You know, I thought that was a game that they would likely lose. St. Louis was a pretty good team. I think they only had four losses on the year, six losses on the year. Um, but State comes out and wins that game by six or eight. I'm not sure. I don't remember the exact score. I know it was like 74 to 74, 66 or 74, 68. Um, made some good defensive plays down the stretch. And uh, now we'll play Richmond. Um, and this is a really good postseason run for um, – or Mississippi State, because, you, you know, you sit there and think the NIT probably doesn't really do anything for you, but you could probably also make this argument for Ole Miss's team right now in the women's bracket, um, is that there's just, it's, it's you know, you, know may, you may not be in the NCAA tournament, but this is a really good experience for these young people, for these young guys and young girls going going four extra games, you know, in the tournament um, and getting more experience, because State has in their lineup, you know, they start three sophomores and a freshman in their men's lineup, and uh them getting this extra experience is, is just crucial for the success last year. I think last time the state went to NIT, the next year they went to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, if these guys get that experience and all of a sudden, you know, everyone returns like they're saying that they might, um, you know, this could be NCAA turn ne- tournament team next year. Who knows? Well, and that's kind of what the Ole Miss women are experiencing in, in their NIT run right now. They're, they're getting – uh, some of those younger players, some experience, particularly in the postseason. Now, now look, they, they, this is a good matchup uh, for Ole Miss most nights because it, last night, notwithstanding, when they, uh, you know, they they held off Colorado in uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, getting a win against a high major team there. But there there are a lot of mid majors in this tournament, and most mid majors uh, on the women's side do not have players who can guard uh, an athletic 6'5 girl in the post. There, there aren't a lot of those, and, uh, and Ole Miss has one in Shakira Austin. And uh, she has certainly played well and, and is the uh, focal point of what they're doing. But uh, last night was big because uh, they got some, uh, some big play uh, from some others. And, and, and they've had that at times. They, they've had some of these freshmen uh, come on and, and – make key contributions they need to see that from them more consistently and uh, this kind of uh, NIT run may help them get there next year but they're still alive they play in the semifinals uh, on uh, Saturday and uh, if they uh, excuse me Friday play Friday in the semis uh, if they win the championship game is uh, Sunday at one all of this at Collierville High School so it's uh, it's it's interesting the the uh, women's NIT you know the the men's NIT is owned and operated by the NCAA, and, and that just gives it a, a feel of more stability, uh, and, and it does mean more. And we have talked about that being a more competitive tournament since the NCAA took over 
Uh, it's not that way on the women's side. I'm not sure who owns it, but uh, it's just it's just not the same, not the same feel. But it's uh, important uh, for the Ole Miss women right now, and they're making a good run. Hey, folks, spring football is underway. We'll hit that tomorrow. We're going to wrap up today. Make sure you come back and join us. We'll uh, look at uh, the Bulldogs and the Rebels and uh, talk some some storylines for spring. We're going to have a, a special guest tomorrow uh, as well. Uh, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford. Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us.